Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode of The Life of Man. Uh, we had to talk about it. Joe Biden is the 46th president of these United States. We had to get on and talk about it. I have a very special guest um, to come along. I wanted to come on um, and talk about this with someone who was really informed, who was a lawyer, who can give some insight, um, who was really in, into politics a lot more than I am and uh, is really passionate about everything that's going on and give some clarity. And luckily, I married her. And through some miracle of osmosis, she actually agreed to come on today. I try to get her on all the time, y'all, but she's just not having it. Can you explain uh, exactly uh, how much you hate being on camera if you don't want to be? I don't love being on camera. (laughs) Or recording podcasts. Or recording podcasts, but I love supporting you. And so... And politics. And I love politics and policy and all those things. All right. So people don't know this about uh, Tiffany, but she... Politics is her passion. Absolutely. And she's worked on the Hill with Senator Coons from the state of Delaware. And... um, you know, one day we'll be voting for her. But, uh, yes. So, Joe Biden is the 46th president of the United States. Your initial feelings? Lots of relief, which I think a lot of people are feeling right now. Um, a sense of um, a burden being lifted. Because I think the last four years have been um, stressful and um, traumatizing in a, lot of, in a lot of ways to a lot of constituencies in, in America and particularly communities of color. Um, so there's just been a lot of relief that despite the fact that 70 some odd million Americans still, um, voted for someone like Donald Trump, we were able to have 75 million Americans almost vote against the kind of presidency that he had in place. The most votes of any president ever. Which I think speaks to the uniqueness of Donald Trump as a presidential candidate and, you know, the deep sort of dissatisfaction, fear, concern that he produced in a lot of people, I think drove uh, folks to come out to vote against him. And I think that's amazing. 75 million people voted for Joe Biden. 30 million of those were voting just against Donald Trump. I believe that. It could have been Sideshow Bob, Oscar Proud, Stone Cold Steve Austin. No one would have cared as long as... They knew Trump would not be the president. We had to get Orange Hitler out of there. Absolutely. And 20 of them were from the AKAs voting for Kamala Harris, (laughs) who is now the first female vice president in the history of the United States. Now, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. People want to say she's the first black or she's the first Indian. She's the first woman, period. Mm -hmm. Do any of those stand out more than one for you? No, I don't think so. I think being the first woman, being the first black American, she's actually not the first person of color from what I understand. I I read about just yesterday that there was a vice president who was a Native American from several hundred, like in the 1840s or something like really? that. This is what I read. I haven't gotten to research it much. But at the end of the day, certainly in modern times, she's the first of many things. Um, and I think that it's significant and groundbreaking to have a, a female be elevated to an office that high. And I think she will set the standard for and blaze the trail for women to be able to reach higher heights than they ever have before. And that's really exciting. You know, I, I think in years past, I've always I've always known who I was voting for. 
But I think that I would always listen to what they would do in terms of jobs and the economy. And we've had issues of terrorism come up in presidential elections. We've had climate control and all of these things, NASA and space and all of these things. But I think this election was generally a election of morality. I think this was the first time in my life where I realized that the morality of my president was really important. Absolutely. They've said character matters, right? Like, unfortunately, it didn't matter. So there are many millions of people that it didn't matter as much to. But the majority has won this time. And, you know, I do think that Donald Trump's character has everything to do with why he's not been reelected president. And I think Joe Biden is a decent person. Absolutely. There's so many stories, so many stories of who that reflect who he really is, which is a person of, you know, kindness, um, decency humanity. Um, And I think the speech that he gave on Saturday night is truly a reflection of who he is. It's not a reflection of him trying to, you know, say what is necessary for the moment. I really believe he said what is a reflection of who he is. And years before he, you know, ran for president this in this go round, I should say, he was known to be someone who Um, reached out to the other side of the aisle when he was in the Senate. That was one of the things that he was really known for. And I actually think, you know, that is going to be the kind of person that is necessary right now to heal this country. And I know that, you know, lots of people of color in particular may not be in the mood for healing and may not be in the mood for compromise or for coming together to get things done. But the reality is the American system requires it. We cannot do or make policy or, or create laws without some compromise and without some support from the other side. And that is the way the American system was built. So if there's anybody who will be able to lead us in doing that, I believe um, Joe Biden is the person who can do that. Was Joe Biden the perfect candidate? No. Is he the perfect person to reset America? I believe so. Absolutely. And I, I don't think there is a perfect candidate. I think it's so interesting as humans, we all know we have imperfections, we have inconsistencies, we have biases, we have disagreements, hypocrisies, disagreements that are inherent in just being a human being. But somehow we think that our politicians won't be the same way and it's actually irrational. There's no politician who's going to always be 100% consistent. There's no politician who's always going to get it right. And that just cannot be the bar because it will disqualify everyone. But I do think that he has shown himself to be someone who will listen. He's shown himself to be someone who is willing to say when he's wrong. Um, He's shown himself to be someone who can evolve and learn new things and work with people across the aisle, work with people who are different than him. Um, And I I think it's very significant and it's um, it's significant and it's it's evidence of sort of who is in his campaign and who is driving his campaign that on the night of his victory speech, he literally said and acknowledged that black people had had his back and that he was going to have theirs in return. That's never happened in any presidency. Um, We obviously know it couldn't have happened for Barack Obama. He wouldn't have been able to say something like that, given his, the fact that he was the first African-American president. I think he would have been in a difficult position to say something like that, though some may have wanted him to. But I believe the fact that Joe Biden said that 
speaks to his understanding of who has supported him. And I also think it speaks to who he has helping him and advising him and running his campaign. I don't think it's a coincidence that some Simone Sanders is one of the top folks in his campaign. And mm-hmm. I think his speeches and the way that he has begun to speak about systemic racism, I think that's all reflective of who is advising him. And I think it, it's a reason to have some hope. Truth be told, Joe Biden's candidacy was dead in the water until he got to South Carolina. And when he got to South Carolina, them black people lifted him up. Absolutely. Like Dirty Dancing. (laughs) And I think he's well aware of that. I've never seen Dirty Dancing, but I've seen the memes. (laughs) And I think from there, it gave him the momentum that he needed to appeal to the country again. Yeah, I think that he's well aware, his campaign is well aware that without Jim Clyburn, without African-American vote, the African-American vote in South Carolina, um, he would not be president. And I think that's going to be heavy on his heart and mind and his you know, the folks who are planning his transition and et cetera, as we move into his presidency. And I think his statement on Saturday night was his way of making that clear to people. Yeah. So moving forward, obviously we know that, um, I think there are millions and millions and millions and millions of people in America who have acknowledged that Joe Biden has won. One important person who has not acknowledged that Joe Biden has won is 45 who has sworn, I guess, starting this week to begin to sue and still believes that he is the rightful owner of or the rightful winner of the U.S. presidential election. So I'm not a lawyer. You are. Does he have a case? Well, I think it's it's highly, highly unlikely that he has a case. This is nothing like the year 2000 Bush versus Gore when it came down to literally one state, the, the vote or the electoral college was split and it came down to one state and essentially one county and a handful of votes. And in that situation, Democrats were actually um, seeking to invalidate, I think it was like five or 600 votes that the Republicans wanted to be counted. And the Supreme Court ruled that those votes had to be counted and included. And that is what handed Bush the election. We're not talking about one state. We're talking about multiple states now that Trump would have to contest. We're ta- we're not talking about 500 votes. We're talking about thousands of votes in most of the states. We're talking Nevada, Arizona, Arizona Pennsylvania, Georgia are the really the he key He won states. North Carolina. We can give him, we can North, give him North, can Carolina. North Carolina. But the reality is you have multiple states where Biden is leading. And in most of those states, with the exception of maybe Georgia, he's leading by, you know, tens of thousands of votes. And so... You know, this is not this is not akin to what happened in 2000. Even more significantly, there have been there's been no evidence thus far that has been produced that shows any widespread election fraud in any election. You're going to have, you know, a couple hundred here or there where there may be some type of discrepancy or human error. Those things happen. You have you know, humans that are executing a count of millions of votes, it would be ridiculous to to think that there would not be any instances of a mistake or an error or even small instances where there may be wrongdoing. That is true of every election that's ever happened because you have millions of people voting and hundreds of humans all over the country serving as poll workers and election staff who are trying to count count the votes. But to suggest that there's some widespread conspiracy or fraud to change the results of the election is laughable. And I don't think there's any court in America that is going to listen to his legal arguments and find that that kind of thing is actually happening. 
he's yet to produce any evidence to to show that that would be the case. And I don't think he would be able to across four different states. If you have a chance, go check out The Circus. It's an amazing documentary series. If I had an Emmy vote, it would definitely go to them. Check out The Circus. They have un- an unprecedented access to the counting of the votes and the and just being in those rooms where things were being counted. It was actually very, very fair. There's a lot of lies that are going on and people are really genuinely believing the lies, but you can see for yourself a lot of the access to the process, what's going on, things that can be promoted on Twitter as unusual or cheating, um, but actually are pretty standard when it comes to an election. Um, Just go check that out for yourself. Read the information. I And I want to say this, and a couple more things we're out. I want to say this. Please, please, if you're out there, I understand the pressure is on Joe Biden to do what he said, as it is on any elected official. But can you just let us enjoy this one for one second? If you're out there, just enjoy it. Everybody's like, what's he going to do next? How is he going to do this? Can we just have this moment? Like, let us just have this moment. We've been we've been holding our breath for four years, and it feels like as a country, we finally get to exhale. And people are out there like, you know, what are we celebrating for? He has to do this. He has to do that. Okay. But we got the orange man out. Let's celebrate it. Well, and I mean, the reality is Trump has spent four years doing a lot of um, things that people probably don't even know about. Changing regulations. He's completely nearly depleted the um, federal government and, you know, the the folks who actually, the career staff who run the federal government and make sure everything that has to get done is done. He's depleted it's at the, the, the lowest levels, the workforce in the federal government and many positions have gone unstaffed. You know, he's put out hundreds probably of executive orders that have to now be overturned. So there's going to be a lot um, that Joe Biden has to do just to set things back to some level of normalcy. So I think we have to be patient. I think we have to understand that this is going to take time. I think we have to understand that he does not have a Democratic Congress fully. He has potentially will have a a Republican Senate um, majority with Mitch McConnell still leading it. Come on, Georgia. Right. So there's still a lot of things that he will have to overcome to be able to make change. And so we're going to have to be reasonable, our expectations, and at the same time, hold them accountable for prioritizing the needs of people of color in the black um, or African-American community. I I wrote this on Facebook. I I said, um, Donald Trump may be out the White House, but the 70 million people who voted for him still live next door. And there's a lot of reconciliation that has to happen, not just on Joe Biden's shoulders, but on the shoulders of local governments, as well as communities, you and I, um, as well. I think there is some reckoning that needs to happen within the church itself, because I believe the general church community and the evangelical world probably has some um, racial reconciliation to do as well. Or maybe we just need to get to the point where we can acknowledge that racial reconciliation is needed. What part of that interests you the most? And what do you think, what part of that is Joe Biden's and what part of that responsibility is on us? And where do you think we go next? I mean, I think there has to be a couple of, of a few things that happen. I think one, I personally believe that there is, there has been blinders, deception, you can call it whatever you want, on the minds and the hearts of many white Christians and and even white Christian leaders. And I believe that that is part of why there has been a lot of 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even speak to the prophecy situation, but I believe people have not been able to see the truth of what has been going on as it relates to the plight and the concern of the African American community and the African American church. And I think we have to start to ask the question why? Why are, you know, why is it that the the black church on the whole, obviously there's many black people that this is not true of, um, but the black church on whole saw what was happening in the last four years and in this election wholly and completely differently than the white church. There's some disconnect between our vision and what we're seeing. And it begs a question of, you know, why is that? Why do we see things so differently? And I think that to me, you know, part of what this election has shown from my perspective is that God cares about the trauma, the pain, the history, the oppression of people of color. He cares. And perhaps the white evangelical church is not seeing God's heart on this issue. Perhaps they have elevated some of of the things that they believe are in God's heart above what is actually in God's heart. (laughs) Um, And I think that when you look at the history of this country and you look at even the history of abortion movement and what drove and motivated Planned Parenthood, from my perspective, much of that, if not all of it, is rooted in the spirit of white supremacy. And the fact that we as a church have refused to directly confront this issue have refused to acknowledge, and you have people who claim to be Christians who are standing up and saying, there's no such thing as systemic racism, and and claiming that we need to move forward without actually addressing the trauma, without actually acknowledging the trauma, without actually being willing to change what we see happening in our society and change the systems that are unjust. The Bible I read says that God is not only a God of righteousness, but he's also a God of justice. So you can't just want to promote the God of righteousness and claim what is right and morally okay or not and completely ignore the side of God that cares about justice. And so I think that there is some deception that has to be addressed and confronted. I think that there is the reality that as the church, we're going to have to actually clue our hearts into God's heart and lay down our own personal passions and our own personal beliefs about what God cares about and actually ask him what he cares about. So at the end of the day, I am ecstatic. I don't know what Joe Biden will do for the next four years. I don't know how he, how great of a president he will be. All I know is I'm happy for the reset of America. It feels like we've established a country that prioritizes unity again that prioritizes morality again, that actually cares about people, that is not pitting people against each other or motivating people based on scare tactics or fear, Um, not motivating people based on their own fears, that stuff will be taken from them or generalizing um, very, very dangerous stereotypes about people that can be deadly. Now, I know one thing that we cannot cover on this because... Um, it'll take too much time, but one day we'll talk about the fact that people really, really genuinely believe that Joe Biden and Donald Trump were equal evils. And I know how much you hate that statement (laughs) and we don't have time to talk about that. But let me just say this. I'm excited because Joe Biden is the president of the United States 
Well, he is thus far. We still don't have a concession. So I think we have to be excited, but also pray. Um, because I don't think this is over. I don't think this man is going to go away quietly, even though I don't believe he has a legal case that is not going to stop him from trying to completely disrupt our democracy. So I think I'm excited too, but I'm also leery and, and have continued and will continue to pray that, that the enemy doesn't, doesn't win out in this situation. So for us, who are excited about the prospect of Joe Biden being a president. Today is Christmas Eve. It's not time to open the presents, but the tree is up, the cookies are out, and Santa should be here in the morning. And by Santa, I mean a 78-year-old white man (laughs) who ran on stage to show you he still has it. And let me just say this. If anything excites me, it's that my vice president-elect Stayed in the quad at Howard University. My vice president had to go to the A building because they tried to lie about her financial aid, even though she had it. My vice president went to Ho Chi and got a two-piece with fries and mambo sauce. My vice president was on the yard during homecoming. Well, they didn't have swag surfing back in the 80s. What were they doing back in the 80s? I guess moonwalking? I don't know. (laughs) But, I mean, it's just an exciting time. It feels like we all came together. And I, I honestly believe in my heart that this election may have awoken a belief in the power of our vote that I don't even think we had um, when President Obama went. It felt like when I voted in 2008 and 2012, I was voting for Barack Obama. In 2020, I feel like I was voting for America. And I don't know if I've ever felt like more of an American than I feel right now. So I would love to hear how you feel. Please throw it in the comments. Please comment, rate, and subscribe. I used to say that in the beginning. Shout out to all the lifers. Comment, rate, and subscribe. Comment, rate, and subscribe. It don't cost you nothing. Welcome to the Life Hub. We'll be back to the interviews later. Just had to drop this episode. Let me know how you're feeling. Uh, Drop a review, and I want to hear from you. Let me know. I love y'all. Until next time. Later. Later.